We're going to go into today's scripture reading today, which comes from Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And we're going to uh, read this in the ESV. Uh, There are ESV Bibles under your seats if you want to grab those uh, and and look it up. Uh, So once you've found the scripture, and if you're joining us from home, feel free to do this as well to look up the scripture. Uh, We're also going to project it behind me. Uh, but once you're ready to read the scripture for, for, for today, if you could please stand as able, you can definitely do this at home if you feel comfortable as well. But again, it's Acts chapter 2, verses 42. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, that was a short one. <laughs> Today's message is called Life. Well, it's the, in our series of Life, and the, the title is Devote. And uh, friends, have you ever kind of felt lost, maybe in life, or maybe lost in your faith? You know, um, this is a, a, just a stock photo of someone just being lost in the woods, and, you know, maybe that's a metaphor for how often, how you might feel oftentimes, you know, maybe you just feel like there isn't a direction in life that you're supposed to go. Sometimes I feel like uh, as we head into the summer, uh, I don't know, there's something about the summer, you know, uh, I, I know for some people it's a break, for others it's not, but there's something about the summer that, at least for me, uh, sometimes that brings about these feelings of like expansiveness, uh, of, of this idea that we do have time and, you know, as I'm getting older, I wonder, you know, am I using this time well? You know, uh, what am I doing in life? And maybe sometimes you feel lost. Maybe you feel like you don't have a direction. Maybe you feel like uh, you're not as close to God as you should be. You know, you're not where you feel like you should be spiritually. Or you just kind of feel like something's off. Maybe you feel depressed. Maybe you feel lonely. I don't know what it is, friends. Uh, but I, I wonder, you know, sometimes we're also, uh, uh, I think, a part of this, and maybe one of the symptoms is how forgetful we are as people, that we, we might forget some of the basic truths about God, some of the things that we all kind of take for granted of just how loved we are by this God. I mean, friends, think about it for a moment. I wonder, like, like seriously, I wonder how many of our issues would be solved if we knew truly in our hearts, in our minds, with all that we were, in every fiber of our being, in the same way that I know that there's something here that I'm touching, that I knew that there was a God who created me and who loved me, who sent his son to die for me, if I knew that as a certainty, I wonder just how many of our, our, our you know, problems of loneliness or the existential crises that we go through in life, you know, how many of those things would be solved, that feeling of lostness. But I got to say that even us in the church, we tend to forget that knowledge, and not just knowledge up here, but that knowledge of just knowing it in, in, in every fiber of your being, of knowing just, just that you are loved in the same way that you would know that you are loved by a human being, and even more so, that we forget that. We so easily forget the things of God. And I wanted to go into this scripture that we have been uh, kind of going through, combing through week after week uh, lately, especially in this season of Pentecost, of this idea of the, the, the 
releasing of the Holy Spirit upon the church and how that changed the church. And so the passage that we read today, and we're actually going to read the verse after it as well, um, shows us how the, the, the early followers of Christ responded to this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, I wonder if for a lot of people in the church, you know, there might be times where you're like touched by the Holy Spirit. You have an experience of God. You have something almost miraculous happen to you. What do we do then? For most of us, I think this is what we do. We're like, wow, that was great. Okay, back to our everyday life, right? We, we just kind of forget, right? It, it just kind of move on. And in that, there will be kind of a forgetfulness. And so, fr- friends, it's very interesting that, remember, the, 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 the uh, uh, people who were gathered in Jerusalem, uh, they, they receive the Holy Spirit, and then, uh, you know, Peter preaches to them about Christ, and many of them are baptized, Right? They have this tremendous experience. And then they do something after that. And that, I think, is what uh, is really key and what I want to focus upon for us to maybe understand how we can maybe not be as lost as we often are. Uh, that, that we can you know, remember uh, the things that we so often forget that are so vital to us being in connection with God. And so let's jump right in. So... Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And so that, that um, word devoted um, is, I mean, it's the title of our, our sermon is devote. Right, And I actually was going to uh, title it Devoted, and I think in the digital bulletins it might say Devoted, uh, but I changed it to Devote because I wanted you to see that it's a verb. I didn't want you to think it was an adjective, because we do have this kind of adjective, right, Devoted, like, you know, I'm a devoted husband, or I'm a devoted wife, right, something like that, that you are devoted to something, but I wanted us to understand it as a verb. So in the Greek, the word devoted, um, it literally means to be strong towards something, to be strong towards something. Uh, and there is this, this connotation of consistency, of continually doing something, that you're not just doing it once, right? And so again, these are the people, they receive the Holy Spirit. It's this awesome thing. It's this awesome outpouring of the power of God. And maybe for many of us, we just assume that just good things are going to automatically happen, right? That, that if you receive the Holy Spirit, you don't need to do anything anymore. And I think oftentimes that's the way uh, modern Christians behave. You know, sometimes we go to church, sometimes we don't. You know, but we know these things about God. You know, we know that, that Jesus died for us, and we're like, okay, good. I'm good, right? And oftentimes I think that that's what happens is that we just get kind of like, if I can say this, we get bored with that information. We're like, well, I already know that Jesus died for me. What else is there for me to know? Right? But look at the, the, the early uh, church here. Right? They literally received the Holy Spirit in this way that is so miraculous. Right? They saw miracles. They saw the Holy Spirit 
uh, uh, helping people to speak different languages, right? It's so crazy. And, and they're so convicted that just thousands of people come to know the Lord. Thousands of people are baptized. Can you imagine what that felt like? You know, I don't think that that's just an intellectual thing. I think that their hearts were absolutely just convicted and inflamed. And, you know, I mean, there's so much stuff going on, right? But when you receive experiences like that, you know, maybe we just kind of think like, okay, well, so we're good, you know? Just it's going to happen automatically. And that's the bad, I, I think that is a wrong assumption, is that we just assume that it's going to be enough for us. We don't need to do anything else. Why is that a bad assumption, brothers and sisters? Why? Because you've got to see that the disciples, uh, the, the early church does not make that assumption. They receive the Holy Spirit, they're baptized, and then they devote themselves. They, they, they press in on these certain practices, right? That, that they uh, devote themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And we're going to break down what each uh, one of those entails. But the idea of devoting yourself, of having to actually do something. Well, I got to say that that part of this comes from our Protestant heritage of this real emphasis on this idea that we are saved by grace alone, not by works, which is absolutely true. But one of the mistakes that we made is that we say, okay, we're not saved by that. But sometimes I think in, in kind of like, you know, the tendency to want to drift towards comfort, to not want to have to do anything, we're like, okay, so if we're not saved by works, do we even need to do them? And we just kind of act like they're going to automatically happen. But the early church, they didn't do that, Right? And friends, i got to tell you, why do we so easily forget? Why? It's because there are so many things in this world that are telling us the opposite about the truths of God. Right? There's so many things where we just kind of absorb in this world. Right? I I, I sometimes talk about this, this idea that uh, I think that many of us, even Christians, live as, as practical atheists, right? What do I mean by that? An atheist is somebody who says they don't believe in God, right? It's, it's kind of a faith statement, an anti-faith statement, right? Like you do believe in something, but you're believing that there is no God. Now, that's a very bold step, and a lot of people actually, you know, don't think they're atheists, but we live as if we are. Right? Even Christians, we live as if there is no God. Because just think about it for a moment. If there was no God, what would we do? How would we react to a world that can be so capricious, be so random, be so cruel sometimes? And many of us, man, we live in this fear, this anxiety all the time that something out there in the world is going to get us. Right? I mean, honestly, that's so much of the way we operate. I mean, you might say that people are greedy, and maybe they are, <laughs> but where does that come from? Why do we hoard? Right? I, I talk about this sometimes. You know, you see this hoarding behavior when people are afraid at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. People are like, man, people are so greedy. They're grabbing all the toilet paper and the Clorox wipes. It's not greed, friends, it's fear, right? 
This is feeling out of control. I need to stockpile this because what, what if we run out? What if we run out? What if they get it and I don't have any? That I'm in big trouble. And we live in this world where we're just so afraid. We're so afraid that something bad is going to happen. We're like, man, this is all I have, right? And we may not even think that way. We may not think that that's uh, uh, the message that, that, that we are living out. That we're not living that story. We're like, wow, Pastor Steve, I know that there is a God. I know he loves me. But then why do we struggle so much with loneliness, with addiction, with just grabbing towards these things that we think are going to make us happy? Why do we struggle so much with depression, with a lot of these things? And friends, I'm not saying this to shame anyone. I'm just saying, this is the air that we all breathe. Pastor Steve, myself, Man, I've struggled with depression and anxiety for years, years. And I preach this stuff to you guys every week, you know? And there's so many times, man, living in this world, we're just like, am I alone? Am I alone? And you feel that way. And some of us, we, we, we're not just alone in the sense of like, I need a friend or I need a boyfriend or girlfriend or a husband or a wife. But there's a profound kind of existential loneliness that we feel, right? We just feel off. We feel isolated, right? And I got to tell you, there are moments of, of my life in Christ as a Christ follower where I feel so close to God. Man, I, I, just, I just know. I just know that I'm not alone. And it is the best feeling in the world, right? I know that God is for me. But what happens? What happens is, I, I'm convinced that most people, uh, this is something that Dallas Willard uh, said once that really stuck with me, is that he thinks that most people who fall away from faith don't fall away because of some big problem with faith. Like they're like, you know, I've come to the conclusion that there is no God. He thinks most people fall away because of what he calls spiritual drift, right? What is spiritual drift? Let me describe it this way. Uh, when I was like, maybe like, I, I don't know exactly how old I was. I, I want to say like nine or 10 years old. Uh, my family uh, and I went to the beach and, uh, you know, we're all like, like yeah, I think my brother was like playing in the sand and my parents were there, but I was in the water and I had this like inflatable raft, kind of like what you see in this picture. And, you know, um, just yeah, kind of like playing around on the raft and trying to stay on top of it because of the waves. I kept, keep falling over. And every now and then, you know, like I look up and I see my parents and I see my brother, right? But I, I, I was like, got like really upset with just like trying to get on the raft. And I was just kind of like enjoying being out there. And before I know it, it had, like some time had passed. I don't even know how much time had passed. And I look over to where my parents were supposed to be and I don't see them. I have no idea where they are. And I look around, and I'm like, where the heck am I? And I'm not, like, far out into the ocean, right? I would have noticed that, right? But I'm, like, equal depth to where I was before, but I'm on an absolutely different part of the beach, right? And the good thing was is I had one kind of anchor, one kind of, like, thing to kind of show me where I was, and there was a dock, right? And I remember when we came in, there was a dock way in the distance, right? And I look over and the dock is much closer, right? And so I realized that my parents are somewhere over there. And I just keep walking and walking and walking. I'm like, oh my gosh, how far did I drift? 
I had no idea. I had no idea. And eventually I found them. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, <laughs> I didn't like lose my family that day. But man, I drifted so far and I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. That's what happens to so many of us when we live in this world, right? We call it a secular world. It's not a bad word per se. It just means a world that is not centered around God. It's not, right? It's centered around other things, money and substance and these things, this idea that you are going to be happy if you get something outside of you. That's the way this world works, right? That is what you are told all the time. You need something. You need something. What it, that, that is, that's for you to determine, right? Seriously, it's different for every person, and it's different at different points in your life. It could be stuff. It could be a gadget. It could be a new phone. It could be a new car. It could be getting into college. It could be getting a certain kind of job, right? It could be making a certain amount of money. It could be that dream vacation you're thinking of. It could be a bigger house. It could be a bigger lawn. It could be, I don't know what it is, but there's something out there that we think if we get it, we will be happy. It's just like this is the the secular answer to everything. There's something out there, and if you get it, you'll be happy. Or if you change the world outside of you, you'll be happy. I'm here to tell you, friends, it's a lie. It's not true. You know it's not true. Friends, you know it's not true. Because seriously, think about whatever it was that you wanted a year ago and you got. Five years ago and you got. Ten years ago and you got. Seriously, think about it. Our world does not want us to think about this. They don't. You know what they do? They keep dangling the next shiny new object in front of you, right? Because you get the thing. This has happened to all of us. You get the thing, the toy, the phone, the girl, the guy, the experience, whatever it is, you get it and you're happy. For how long though? A few seconds? Maybe days if you're lucky? But that's about it. That's about it. And then you're like, okay, I got that thing. This is great. I've been collecting Nintendo games. And, and one of the things <laughs> during this pandemic that I, I, yeah, I've accumulated, like, I think over 100 games. And I'll get the game, and I'll be like, oh, I got the game. Okay, what's the next game? What's the next game? Right? It never ends. It will never end. It will never end. I know people who've collected every single Nintendo game. Uh, these are, for those of you who are a little bit younger, uh, these are <laughs> the, these 8-bit cartridges that came out in the 1980s, and they made like over, I, I think, like 800 of them. And, and, I mean, it's like thousands upon thousands of dollars to collect them all, you know? And, and I know some people that they collected them, and then they, they're like done, and they're like... I think they have some European Nintendo games I can collect. I think there's some Japanese exclusives that they have. Maybe I'll collect the Super Nintendo. It will never end. It will never end. You will never get to the point. You'll never get to the point where you collect the thing, you get the thing, you have the thing, and you're like, I'm now whole. This is the lie that secularism tells you. You can have some kind of external change, and it will be enough. You will be happy. When? When are you going to be happy? How many of you, how many of us, that we're like, once again, to college, mm, I'm going I'm to have made it. Oh, grad school. Mm. Well, now the job. 
Well, that job is okay, but I need to make more money. I need to get a promotion in the job. It's never going to end, let me tell you. You're going to be retired. You're going to have everything you ever want, and you're going to look back on it, and you're going to be like, okay, what's next? That's how we're built as human beings. You're not built to be happy with the external world. The only thing that can satisfy you is the knowledge of being connected to God. And when I say knowledge, I don't mean knowledge up here. I mean really, really knowing that you are connected to God because God is the only truly real and infinite thing. There is nothing greater. Do you ever like, feel like so connected to someone and, and you're just with them and you're just like in sync and you just feel like you're one? It's such a wonderful feeling, right? You know, maybe you're like staring into each other's eyes or I don't know, maybe that's too intimate. You're laughing together at a joke. Right? That union you feel with another person, it's just right. That's why so many of us feel lonely. But even that, friends, will come and go. Right? But the experience you're supposed to have with God is this eternal spiritual communion. Communion, right? You become one with God. You know that God is with you. But I gotta tell you, friends, as soon as I have it, I lose it, right? I mean, there's so many times I have it. I'm like, this is so good. I'm never going to forget. I'm never going to forget this. And what happens? A week later, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Or I need the Nintendo game or whatever it is, right? I forget. I forget. I forget. Why? It's just the world we live in, friends, right? I mean, so you, you can call it sin, right? That's the, the primary disconnection that you have with God. Right? You guys know that, right? Sin is disconnection. Sin isn't, don't do that bad thing. Not primarily, right? Sin is disconnection from God. This is the problem. And there's so many things that are disconnecting you, right? And, and, and friends, <laughs> just we forget, we forget, we forget, you know? And so there are these things that we do to remember, and we got to do them every day. And friends, you know, for me, you know, praying it, it, or any of this stuff, right? Like all the stuff that we're going to look at today, it's not doing it out of some legalistic thing. And what I mean by that is that so many of us, we think like, if I don't do this, I'm a bad Christian. That is completely the wrong way to think. That is not going to bring you into union with God because you're going to be doing it out of a spirit of fear, Right? You're not doing it to connect to God. You're doing it to check a box. Or you're doing it so that you feel like you're a good person. None of us are good. That's the message, friends. We're all sinners. We all need God. You are not able to save yourself. And you're not going to save yourself because you read the Bible every day. That's not what makes you good, right? What makes you good is just being in union with God. You are already then made good by the grace of God, right? It's God's gift to you. Right? It's not something that we do on our own. Right? So when we do this thing, it is because we are forgetful people and because we so naturally detach from God that we have to press hard into God. Does that make sense? Right? We do this to remind ourselves. Right? So we see this. They devoted themselves to these four things, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. So the first one, apostles' teaching. What would have been the apostles' teaching? Now, it wouldn't have been Paul, 
right? Because Paul wasn't even a Christian yet, right? I'm not saying that Paul's an apostle, right? I'm not saying Paul's not included in that. But I just want to know, what were they actually learning, right? And friends, it doesn't tell us exactly, but these are the original disciples, right, who followed Jesus, who knew Jesus. And I got to think that a lot of what they were teaching was they were just telling them about Jesus, right? And, and if you remember, Jesus' final words in Matthew to the disciples is to, to make d- disciples of all nations and teach them to do everything that I taught you. So what do you think that they were teaching the people? They're teaching them to do everything that Jesus taught them, right? What was Jesus' central teaching? Friends, what was Jesus' central teaching? Number one, A, number one. Like there's, it's not even close with all the other stuff that Jesus talked about. The central thing that Jesus taught is this. The kingdom of God is here. It's the central thing. Jesus talked more about the kingdom than anything else. The kingdom of God, right? Which we all think is heaven, the clouds, right? Every good Jew believed in the kingdom of God in the clouds, right? They believe that, right? They believe there's, you know, God is reigning in some way. But what they didn't believe is the kingdom of God is here. It's right here, right here, right here. God is in control. God is the king. God is with you. That's Jesus's central message. You're not alone. I won't leave you as, an or- as orphans. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't, be, don't try to like store all these things and try to you know, make your life perfect and all these things. You've got to trust. You've got to believe, right? I'm not leaving you on your own. You're not alone. It's the central message, right? And, and so this idea of, of devoting yourself to the apostles' teaching. Friend, I, friends, I've got to tell you that um, this is a practice that I used to have and I lost it at some point. I used to preach this all the time. When I wake up, uh, I used to like, um, you know, go to some like news app or something and, and like read the news. And that's the first thing I would do every day. And you know what news sells really? It, like what primary thing they use to sell? Uh, friends, if you don't believe me, I'll, I'll try to prove this to you. News uses our human nature and the, the, the primary level that most of us exist at, this fleshly level, it is a level of fear. And that's what news sells you, is fear. How do you know this? Because 99% of news is negative, right? They're not telling you everything's fine. You've never, seriously, you've never gone to CNN and says everything's fine. 99% of people have jobs, right? Or 90% of people, they say 10% unemployment right? They tell you the negative, right? Because fear, they're tapping into your fear. And so this is what we do. We begin our day, fear, right? And you begin your day in fear. Now, I got to tell you, over the pandemic, I'm just being honest, right? Just being honest with you. I would begin every day going on eBay. What if, what if, what if just someone has just some spectacular deal, right? And I have like, 20 seconds to grab it. Every day, I would begin on eBay. And what I used to do, and something that I've recently, like this week, been convinced I need to start doing again, is to begin my day hearing about the kingdom, 
right? So there's a, a psalm that I think really reflects the kingdom heart. Um, Dallas Willard says that he thinks that this is the kingdom heart psalm. It's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And friends, I actually copy and pasted it on my notes app because I realized that when I'm going throughout the week and I'm preparing my sermons, um, on my Bible app, I go to different passages, right? And so then I have to wake up in the morning and I have to go into the Bible app and then I have to look up Psalm 23. But instead of doing that, I put it on my notes app so it would just be there just all the time. And to begin my day, not instead of, um, (laughs) because this is how I began my day, I want a Nintendo game. That's how I began my day, every day, every day, every day. You know, you begin your day and you're playing a game or whatever, like, I want a thrill, you know? You're begin- I want information that will make me feel safe, right? What are we ingesting, friends? Or we begin our day every day, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If the Lord is my shepherd, I don't need to want anything. I don't need anything. I'm good. I'm good. And to ingest that into my soul. Um. One of the things that, that I'll sometimes do when I'm feeling lost is there are certain books that I read almost every year. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Life Together, uh, Dallas Willard's Divine Conspiracy. Uh, there's a few others that I read uh, almost once a year. Um, and one of the things that I do is that sometimes, that's good, right? You hear from someone else. But what I'll often do when I'm feeling lost is I'll just start reading the Gospel of Matthew. I'll just start over. Now, I have an audio Bible uh, on my phone that I downloaded, that I paid for, and I, you know, listen to that all the time. It's a really, really good audio Bible. And a few years ago, I've told people this before, I got kind of mad, but I shouldn't have been mad. But I got mad because, you guys know the Bible app? Do you guys have the Bible app? Right? Like, like it's free. Like, like you, you should get it. It's great. Right? If you click on the Bible app and there's a little thing where they'll start reading the Bible to you, you know what audio Bible they used? It's the same one I paid for. That's why I got mad. I'm like, I paid for it and they're giving it away for free. But that's great because you all have it. You all have it. It's in your phone, right? And you can actually just listen to Matthew or Psalm 23 or whatever and you don't even need to read it. This is one of the things that happens to us over time, is even things like reading have become work to us, right? We're like, oh, man, it's so hard. It's so hard, you know? And so a lot of the things that I'm talking about, friends, it, it, like to us, like there's this resistance that we feel, right? Because everything you're doing, oftentimes it's comfortable, right? You're doing it because there isn't resistance or you wouldn't do it. Right? It's just become automatic. You going to Insta or you going to whatever game you play every day. Right? There's a groove in your brain that has been formed where it's just streamlined. You get the dopamine. Right? You get the reaction that you want and it's very easy. Your brain has become trained to do this. There is no resistance. But when I talk about reading the Bible, the first thing you hear is reading. And this is one of the things that we hear in this society is that people don't like to read anymore. It's work. It's hard. Right? What about listening to the Bible? What about singing the Bible? What about someone singing the Bible over you? Right? So then maybe you're not at the level where you can even listen to an audio Bible. I don't know. That's okay, friends. 
Maybe listen to some gospel-centered songs that remind you about the truths of the kingdom. You are not alone. Christ died for you. And God is absolutely with you. Can you listen to a song like that? Right? I mean, we listen to so many songs. Man, there's so many times I listen to the radio and I listen to a song. I'm like, I like everything about the song except the lyrics. Because <laughs> the lyrics are just terrible. You know, like, like just, it's just not, not good stuff. You know, it's just like, I don't know. Something about a driver's license. I don't know. I don't know what they're talking about, you know? I have no idea what these songs are about, you know? But could we just listen to a song? I mean, there's so many good songs out there. They're great songs that also have gospel content, that tell you the good news, that remind you about these truths of God. Um, Real quick here, uh, uh, the other stuff, the fellowship, this idea of being with people in a way that reminds you that you are not alone, that reminds you you are with God. You share stories with one another. You share life with one another. You encourage one another. They're accountability, right? They're people that you spend time with knowing that God is with you. Do you have that kind of fellowship? We can definitely get into that more. A Prayer, we've talked a lot about prayer, so I'll leave that for another time, but I want to end on the breaking of bread. Now, what is the breaking of bread? If you guys know anything about scripture, right, you probably know that breaking of bread, it, it can be two things. It can be a meal, right? Just, just like we say that sometimes. Hey, can I break bread with you? We're, we're using this reference, but we're just talking about eating food, right? But breaking bread probably would have called to mind, right, Jesus breaking the bread at the Last Supper, Right? It's probably talking about communion. And actually, for uh, the early uh, followers of Christ, um, they were one and the same. They actually just did communion while they ate food, because that's what communion is, is you are becoming one with each other, right? So you do it with other people, and they would eat food together. But the thing is, over time, it just became just casual fellowship. And actually, it started to become even more than that. This community of Christ that came together, people just started eating with the people that they liked. And so some of the rich people would just start eating before the, the day workers got there, right? And so these people who had to, like, work in the fields or whatever, right, they would come later, and all the rich people would just be lounging around. They're like, hey, what's up? Like, oh, you, you guys started without us? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, we just were here, so we just started eating. And Paul blasts them for this. He's like, you, you're sinning against the body. You don't understand what you're doing. Unfortunately, we misunderstood that passage in 1 Corinthians 11, and we just made it a ritual. That's not what Paul was trying to do. I don't think. I don't think the heart of that was what Paul was trying to do. But he was like, this is supposed to be a way for us to remember Right? So this is what he says, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 24. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What is he trying to tell the people? He's like, you're drifting. You're drifting. You're forgetting what we're doing. It's just become hanging out with the friends that you like instead of a way for you to remember that Christ is for you, right? He broke the bread 
And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Now, we do uh, uh, communion often, right? Once a month. But friends, you could do a form of communion every day, I think. When you eat your food, before you pray, do you guys ever do like the, the, the sniffing, the, 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 the food prayer? Where it's like you just kind of sniff the food like, thank you, God, amen. You know, it's just real quick. Could you just take a moment maybe before you ate every day, every day, you know, two, three times, four times, I don't know how many times you guys eat, but before you eat, just take a moment, right? We, we usually do it. A lot of us, we have this habit already ingrained in us, and you just take a moment. And, and instead of saying, thank you for the food, you can say that too, but can you just remember, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for being for me. This is the thing. You can know that there's a God out there, but do you know that this God who's out there is actually for you? He's on your side. And we know that because God sent Jesus to die for us. We don't act like that. We don't live like that. We live as if God could care less about us. But can we remember Every day. This is what the early followers of Christ did. Every day. They devoted themselves. They pressed strongly into this. And when they would break bread, at least in the beginning, they would always remember, just like this bread is broken, Jesus' body was broken for me. Praise team, can you come up? Let's just take a moment um, to remember Just take a moment to remember all that God has done for you. And friends, it does have to be a daily practice. You're going to hear it here. And maybe some of you, you'll be like, wow, this sounds so good. This is so wonderful. You know, but then we'll just kind of forget it when we go home. You know, and maybe just all the things that we talked about. It seems like a lot having four different things. Maybe there's just one thing that you heard today. And you're like, I want to do that. I want to do that Psalm 23 thing. I want to put that on my phone and I want to read that every morning. I don't know, friends. It doesn't have to be the same thing I do. You know, it could be the, the you know, next time you, before you eat your, your, your meal, that you not only say thank you for the food, but you say thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Thank you that Jesus' body was broken, not just for no reason, but for me. Because the world looked at this and they didn't understand why would anyone do this? is one of the baffling things about the Christian faith, right? So many other faiths are coming from a place of strength. There are a lot of people who derided Christians because they're like, you have a bleeding God, a suffering God? You're darn right we do. (laughs) We have a Savior who was broken for us, who died for us. And man, we got to keep that in our minds. We got to keep that fresh in our hearts every day to know that you're not alone. God is for you. He is with you. He will never abandon you. You're not alone. You're not alone. You don't need to go through this life being scared. You don't need to live as if you're just a, a piece of cosmic dust that all of these things are random. And you need to hoard and you need to make happiness happen outside of you. God is with you. God is with you. God is for you. God loves you. 
He will never let go of you. In Jesus' name, amen.